Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith in Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. How many people here, how many has ever lost anything? Anybody? Lost anything? See, I like how everybody's talking to each other because I know what that is. That's spouses. (laughs) Why didn't you raise your hand? You should have raised your hand. You lost this the other day. (laughs) See, Pastor Melissa and I, we're, we're notorious for losing our church keys at church. But I want to I want to let you in on a little secret. We're not that bad at losing our keys. We're bad at getting them returned to us. <laughs> or people go, and I'm not blaming you guys at all. We'll assume full responsibility for other people losing our keys. Um, nobody caught that. That's okay. <laughs> You'll get it later. Somebody will be eating like your dinner this afternoon. Be like. I get what he said. Um, and so all of a sudden, what happens is people borrow our keys, and then they say this. They're like, Chad will find it right here. Honestly, I found my keys on the kiosk one Sunday morning. It's like, how did my keys get in the kiosk? Somebody left them here. Because that's where I'm going to look. And so how many people you know? A lot of times, we don't lose things. They're misplaced. A few guys are like, that's what I've been looking for all these years. That line. But honestly, who's, who's lost stuff? Who's lost keys before? Right? A few people, a few people not telling the truth this morning. Okay, who's lost sunglasses? Okay, a few more hands up. Okay, good, good. Who's lost their phone? Now we're going to get some fun. Who's lost a pet? A few people. All right, so now, parents, you got to be truthful. You got to be truthful here. Oh, no, I'm not talking about the pet. All you... <laughs> Sorry, I missed that connection there for a second. No, I didn't mean that you said you lost it when it was gone to see Jesus. If that's not what you guys were laughing at, then I'm horrible and I apologize. <laughs> now, who, parents, be honest. Who here's lost a kid before? <laughs> this is where all the parents are like, they misplaced themselves. <laughs> if they would have been paying attention and following. No, but we've all lost things, right? Do you know that many of us, not only have we lost things, but we ourselves have been lost. And see, Jesus, Jesus, if you're not aware of this, Jesus cares about lost things. How many of you, and I'll prove this before I even really start preaching, how many of you have lost something, prayed about it, and found it? Now, I hope when you found it, your response wasn't, oh, that's where I left it. No, I hope you found it and went, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Because I honestly believe that I can misplace something, 
See like I, how I'm not going to say I can lose things? I can misplace something, and the Lord can move it for me to a place where I can see it. And so it's, I believe that God, I believe that Jesus, I believe that he cares, he cares about lost things. And see, if you want to look at this, how many people here, like Jesus cares enough about lost things that he gets criticized over it? Do you ever care about something so much that you're willing to get criticized over it? Leaf fans? <laughs> Sorry. Right? We care enough that we're willing to get criticized. I want to read to you from Luke this morning that Jesus cares enough about you and me that he's willing to accept us why we were and are still lost. And he cares so much that he loves you enough that he'll look for you. And so in Luke 1, or sorry, Luke 15, starting in verse 1, it says this. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees, the religious people, the teachers of the law, muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And when he call, then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way that there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than, the, than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. See, I think that speaks loudly to the righteous person, the believer, that we forget that when somebody gives their heart to the Lord, that it's a celebration, there's rejoicing. But also for the one who's not a believer, if you're here this morning and you don't necessarily fully believe in Jesus, you haven't committed your heart to the Lord, or you're kind of on the fence, Jesus will leave the 99 to search you out. So if you're here this morning and you're trying to figure out, I'm not even sure why I'm here. It's because your shepherd went and found you. See, the interesting thing is we like to say, well, it's a coincidence that I'm here this morning, but no, it's not. What I love about this is it says that when he finds them, he picks them up and puts them on his shoulders and walks them back. You don't even have to walk yourself. He's going to carry you. I don't know if I'm ready yet. You don't need to worry. He'll pick you up and do it for you. See, when we lose something, we stop everything else that we're trying to do and find it. If you don't believe it, watch a man when he loses a remote for the TV. <laughs> if you come home and you don't know what's going on, you think you got robbed. Because stuff's thrown everywhere. Cushions, drawers. Isn't it great that now your phone can actually has an app in it that can control your TV? Because I don't lose my phone, but I'll lose my remote. All the guys that didn't know that, yes, you probably have an app that you can use to control your TV. You never have to worry about the remote again. See? And you thought you'd leave here without learning anything. <laughs> Somebody's going to leave here and be like, what do you speak on? I don't know, but my phone controls my TV. <laughs> See, 
See, this is what Jesus does when one of us is lost. He goes searching. He goes looking. See, in verse 4, it says, he would leave the 99 in the open field and go, to the, and go after the lost sheep until he finds it. Until he finds it. This isn't one of the ones where your kids went and looked for something and said, can't find it. This is one where he goes searching. He goes looking. And he's searching for you. And he will carry you back. And then he celebrates. There's a party. They cheer and they clap and they dance and they celebrate because one sheep has come home. Because one person's given their heart to the Lord. See, as Christians, we pray for miracles. We want to see the power of God move, and we forget the greatest miracle is somebody giving their heart to the Lord and turning from their ways and following him for the rest of their lives. God wants to find you and restore your relationship with him. See, when God created the earth in the beginning of Genesis, he created man and called him Adam. And when he created the earth, he called him Adam, and they began to walk and talk to each other. In Genesis 3, just after Adam and Eve ate the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, it says in verse 8, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. See, what catches my attention here is that it says he heard the sound of the Lord. Walking in the garden. It didn't scare him in a sense of what is that noise? It didn't bother him in the sense. What it was was he recognized the sound of the Lord and he knew he had done something wrong. They walked together. In the cool of the evening. I think this was a regular routine. And see, God created all of this world, all of this earth, all of these things. Just stop in it for a moment as we begin spring and begin to watch as everything change and everything comes alive. And as even in our own bodies, the way that our bodies work and the way that animals work and all of these things in this world, stuff that is way beyond my comprehension. And God just spoke it. And when he spoke all of this into place, he's like, one more thing, let's create men in our own image. And he created us because he wanted to walk and talk with us. He wanted a relationship with us. See, he made made man and gave him full authority on the earth. I think it's cool that Adam got to name the animals. Can you imagine that? Sitting down with a cup of coffee and just naming animals as they come walking up to you? You're a cat. Mm, You're a dog. You're an elephant. Like, have you ever looked at some of these animals? And Adam just sits there and begins to name the animals. This is what God designed. This was God's idea. God visited him on a daily basis. And see, what happened was when he heard him on that time, on that day, 
They went and hid. Because they had sinned against God. They had been disobedient to God. And because of their disobedience to God, that relationship was broken. They had to leave the garden. And that's the relationship that Jesus came to restore. He came to die on the cross and to raise from the dead again so that we could walk in the cool of the night with the Lord. Because now the Holy Spirit can live in us. And Jesus came to restore this relationship. To restore relationships so much to a point where we are children of God. In John 1, 9, it says this, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of husband's will, but born of God. See, the one who created this world came to the earth, but we did not receive him. They didn't, those that did receive him, they had the right to become his children. And many of us today, we're still like this. We see him, but we don't necessarily believe. We don't receive him. And a lot of us, our thought pattern is this, because I can't see God with my eyes, he can't be there, he can't be real. But I like, I think it was jars of clay, so I just aged myself. But they just, I think it was them or DC Talk, which still ages me anyway, but they said that we don't see, oh, they were quoting Billy Graham, never mind, my brain's working here as I'm talking. They quoted, we don't see the wind, but we see the effects of the wind. When we see trees moving, we don't see wind, we see the effect of the wind. And so we might not see God, but we can see the effects of God. And we can see him moving. We can see him changing things. As I was reading about lost things and and coming back to the Lord, I found an author named Michael Solomon. He is the author of How to Find Lost Objects. Yes, there is a book. Oddly enough, he's the world's only professor in a new, incredible, useful science he dubs Findology. (laughs) Kids, when your parents say you can be anything when you grow up, they mean it. (laughs) But if you think about it, this is how much we lose things. Somebody's there to help you find it. And he wrote a book on it. How much, if it's a, I don't think it's a bestseller, but... But one of the key things he says is that nothing is lost, it's just misplaced. And how true is this? The other day I was leaving our house after I was writing this and everything, I went to leave our house and I stopped and I said to Melissa, where's my sunglasses? I lost my sunglasses. And she's like, I have no clue. And I'm looking, like when you walk in our door, there's like a half wall and I set all my stuff here, which drives Melissa nuts, but I put all my stuff here and so my sunglasses weren't there. I looked to the side, and they were on the stairs. They fell off. And so here I am, I'm like, where'd my sunglasses go? There they are. We misplace things. 
And I believe in our walk with God that some of us, it's not that we don't want to believe in God. It's not that we don't love God, but it's misplaced. We've been distracted by the things of, these, of this world. Adam and Eve, they didn't want to turn away from God. But what they saw was misplaced. See, the enemy came into the garden and he didn't, he didn't try to prove God wrong. He just distracted Adam and Eve. You guys, you see it with your children and I'll pick on them because they're not in here, but please, you know just as much as me, we fit in this illustration. You can walk into a kitchen and somebody will say, you can have any dessert you want, just don't touch the cake. If you don't like cake, obviously this illustration doesn't work for you, I apologize. But automatically, you're drawn towards the cake. Why can't I touch the cake? But I want to touch the cake. What's so special about the cake? Well, who's going to get the cake? Well, that's for them. What's so special about them? Why do they get the cake? Why don't I get the cake? This isn't fair. Right? I know we're talking about the children. This isn't us. So the enemy comes in the garden. There's only two trees they're not allowed to go, they're not allowed to eat from. And what does he do? He takes all of their attention from the trees. All the other trees that they can go to. And he brings it to this one. What about this one? Why not this one? Why not this one? It's a good question. Why not this one? He distracts them from all that they can have to the one they can't. How often does the enemy do that to us? Look at all the blessings we have in our lives. Yeah, but I don't have... Look at all the giftings that are in your life. Yeah, but I'm not like... The enemy tries to misplace what we should see. And see, when we misplace things, it's difficult. And so, see, I've misplaced a couple things this morning. And so in this room, if you can help me for a moment, I misplace two things. If you reach under your chair, and if you find an Easter egg, a piece of paper, can you lift it up in the air for me? Everybody, don't, don't sit there and be like, I'm not doing this. You, you want to do this. If you find an Easter egg, Hold it, up over, hold it up nice and high. And I'll be completely honest, everybody needs to look because I don't know where they are. If you can't look under your chair, have somebody look for you. And the only reason I'm saying that is, the only thing that I know is, this section really wants to look under their chairs, and this section wants to look under their chairs. Sorry other sections, you just sat in the wrong section. This is taking longer than I thought. <laughs> Did anybody clean up and throw out two Easter eggs? Really? This is awkward. 
Yeah, it's a piece of paper. It's a big sheet, a piece of paper. You're not looking for an actual egg. A piece of paper that could be under your chair. There's one. One like this one. It's taped on the bottom of the chair. Oh, now they get it. If I knew, I would have. Now they're looking. That's all right. If nobody finds it, I'll keep it. Not a yellow sticky note. Melissa, it looks like we get a basket of chocolates. I think it's over. Oh, there we go. See, there's two things happening here. You're finding my misplaced. That felt great, that air conditioner. It's a blind woman. That's good of you. So, you're helping me find my lost item. Sorry, this is an air conditioner. It's really hot up there. <laughs> That's why I'm holding my shirt. You help me. You help me find lost things, but you also just proved to me my earlier one of why isn't it me? When we misplace things, as we have been misplaced, we search for them. Did you notice that the moment that she found hers and you guys saw a gift basket, did you see how fast they started looking again? <laughs> this is what the Lord does for us. He searches for us. He tries to find us. Because we mean more to him than chocolate means to us. Ephesians 1 says this, For he chose us in him, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption into sonship through Christ Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. And to the praises of his glorious grace, which he has freely given to the one he loves. See, Paul here reminds us from the beginning. From the beginning, God's plan, after everything happened, was to adopt us. Adopt us into his family. And see, the Greek word that he uses actually means adoption. When he writes adoption to sonship, it is the legal term referring to full legal standing of adoption. A male heir to the, in Roman culture. In this sense, it was such a legal statement that when you were adopted this way, you became a legal heir to the family that you were a part of in Roman culture. This is the word that Paul uses to describe our adoption into the relationship into the family of Jesus Christ. We are legal heirs. We are royalty. You're royalty. So not only can you walk with that authority, but you can walk with that anointing that you are a son and daughter of the living God if you accept him into your heart and walk with him. See, some of us, we've just misplaced our faith. We believe in other things. We put our hope in other things. It's not where it's supposed to be. We've messed up our priorities. Most of us, I don't think anybody here would intentionally say that they intentionally 
do things over Jesus. But what do our actions say? Jesus is first in my life. I just can't go to church this Sunday because I have this. Jesus is first in my life, but I can't volunteer because I have these things. Jesus is first in my life, but, you know, again, this Sunday I can't make it because I have these things. I would love to spend more time with Jesus during each day, but I just live a busy life. And the bachelor's on. And survivor's on. And it's the playoffs. So today I wasn't able to spend time with God. Where's our priorities? What's our priorities? See, Romans 8 says this in verse 14. It says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. We're led by the Spirit. We're no longer slaves, we're family. Again here, the word that he uses for we are adopted is again for the adoption of sonship is the same Greek word for the legal aspect. I love the fact that in verse 16, 16 it says we are God's children and we are co-heirs with Christ. Titus 3, 5b uh, to 7, it says, He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Christ Jesus our Savior, so that having been, been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. Because we are heirs, we now have the hope of eternal life with him. When you accept him, you get to enjoy and believe and have the hope for eternal life. If you say no to him, this is the understanding you have to understand. I talked about it last week. It's not a matter of saying, I'll decide later. When you say later, you say no. When you say later, you say no. But he has saved us to restore what was lost back in Genesis. Adam and Eve lost the relationship they had with the Heavenly Father because they were deceived into wanting more and were distracted from all that they had. And we see this so many times in the Bible. We see it with David. We see it with Samson. We see it with the Israelites all the time. And what about us? What about us? How are we deceived because we concentrate on something else other than God? Jesus continued talking to the Pharisees and to the religious rulers when he says this in Luke 15, verse 11. He says, there was a man who had two sons. The younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. 
Not long after that, the younger son got, all, got together all that he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in li- wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out of, to a citizen to, of that country who sent him to, feed, to the fields to feed his pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Then he came to his senses. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to my father, I have sinned against, you, sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And so he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. This youngest son wanted it all right now. He wanted everything right then, and he wasn't really willing to work for it. See, God loves us enough to allow us to choose. See, you can't have freedom without choices and you can't have true love without freedom. This is why God allows us to choose just as this father allowed his son to choose to leave. You have the freedom of choice. You can choose to, to be with God or you can choose to walk away. And all of us at some point have walked away from God. All of us at some point needed to come back to him. And this is why Jesus came. He came to die on a cross to restore the relationship with you, to bring you back into relationship with the Heavenly Father. So the choice is yours. For me, the choice came in my early 20s. Because in my late teens, I got hurt by the church. Somebody said something about me that wasn't right and wasn't mean, and it hurt me. And so I left. I walked away from God and I did things that I regret and I did things that wasn't good. And I lived a lifestyle that God wouldn't be proud of. But oddly enough, through it all, there was a place that I always felt comfortable and that was in church. It didn't matter how I felt from the things that I did the night before. It didn't matter what I did the night before. When I would go to my home church and sit in the back row, I felt at peace. felt convicted. I knew what I was doing was wrong. But I felt at peace. There was always a welcoming. There was always an acceptance. Because my Lord just wanted me back. And there's a lot of things in my history, in my past, in my life as I journeyed back to God that I can only explain this way. Somehow I ended up here. Somehow I ended up at this place. I ended up at a youth conference. I ended up there on a weekend and I was too old to be there. I wasn't a volunteer and there was no way I should have been there. But I was there. 
And God met me at the front and he showed me what my sin had cost. But the nice thing was he told me that it was paid already. Because see, some of us, we think we need to do something to earn this relationship back. You don't. You don't. He will accept you just the way you are. Just as this son came walking back, probably covered in mud and pig stuff. And the father ran to him, ran. It didn't say the father sat there waiting, saying, oh, I told you so. It didn't say that the father was disgusted when he got close to him. In the midst of all of it, the father ran to him, put his arms around him. And in the moment where the son was saying, I'm not worthy, can I just be a servant? The father says, put a robe on him. Put a ring on his finger to identify him as one of mine. And let's have a party. Because he's home. He's home. I believe this father looked for his son every day. He stood on the deck of his house watching. Watching. Just as God stands today, watching. Watching. And as God accepted me just as I was, he loved me enough to make me progress into something else. But God will do that with you. He'll love you just the way you are. He'll put his arms around you and accept you. Because just like he did for me, he wants to restore a relationship with you. And so this morning, it's now up to you. Will you choose to have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Because that's why he came, that's why he died, that's why he rose again, to restore the relationship that he designed with you. Let's close our eyes, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for the way that you can lead and the way you can direct and that Father I know there's people here this morning because you led them here and so Father I just ask you right now Holy Spirit just continue to work and continue to move in hearts at this very moment if you're here this morning and you're just like I was away from God And you want to come back home. And you feel like this son did. You feel that you're not worthy. You might be sitting there and say, Chad, you don't know the dirt that I have on me. I didn't share the dirt that I had on with me either. But the Lord loved me enough to open his arms just as he stands with his arms wide open for you. And if you're willing to turn and begin to walk towards him at this very moment, he will run to you. He will run to you. 
So if you're here this morning and you just say, Chad, I'd like to accept Jesus, my Lord and Savior, this morning. Just lift your hands up, eyes closed, heads down. Just lift your hand up nice and high. I just want to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Just a moment. Anybody else want to join this? About 10 people. Anybody else want to join them right now? Just lift your hands up. together. If you have your hands up, just pray this from your heart. Everyone's going to pray with you so you just feel comfortable. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for me. To allow his blood to be shed to wash me of my sins. Father, I am a sinner. So I accept the blood this morning to wash away my sins and restore the relationship with you. Help me to follow you for the rest of my life. Jesus, you are the Son of God. And I ask you to come into my life. Guide and lead me for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. and encourage you that you come back and check out next week's message as well.